Hello and welcome to the Agile People Podcast. My name is David Thompson and I'm your host. And today we're going to be talking about Optimize for the Whole. Last summer on the launch of the book Agile People Principles, Your Call to Action for the Future of Work, saw this very topic being discussed by the fantastic Michaela Brooks and equally fantastic Michelle Stone. Like yourselves, I'm merely just listening to this conversation with envy um, that I wasn't party to it. So I shall hand you over to Michelle and Michaela and enjoy Optimize for the Whole. Thank you very much. Hello, I'm Michelle Stone with Agile People, and I have here with me my guest, Michaela Brooks, and she is from Antwerp, Belgium, and has written her a chapter on Optimize for the Whole which is very interesting. I can't wait to uh, have this interview with you. I've been very excited because uh, this chapter spoke so much to me. Um, I have been um, just thinking about it so much. I've read it more than one time. And um, we'll get to that in a moment. I really want to go through your bio first. And I actually have some notes here because your bio is so deep. Um, you have so much experience. Um, I, I have really been inspired. And um, I, I think that actually you have um, been through a lot for someone of your age. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I want to say that um, when I see that you, you are an agile lean coach, uh, agile and HR trainer transformation coach, um, your interests include uh, enterprise coaching, product ownership, lean IT consultancy, and scrum mastery, and that you've done those things um, all over the world, it seems. <laughs> um, you list um, Europe, uh, all over Europe, India, the Middle East, the Gulf. Um, and so when you have this you know, huge breadth of um, experience in all these different places, you know, what, what took you all over, all over the world in your life? I had somehow, I get this question rather often. Um, of course, um, for a career, it always goes like that. Things add up. Um, and I started off my career um, after graduating from, from university. Actually, I chose a subject, um, after high school because I wasn't ready to, to limit myself with any option or a certain, you know, um, degree like, like doctor or engineering. I thought it was just too limiting. And I thought well, maybe I just um, study languages and cultures. It will always open up a door somewhere um, and, a, and a door to a new culture, to, to people. So it has always been people and culture um, from the start. And actually I just, you know, Alongside with my teaching degree, I, uh, I ended up being an independent teacher, an independent trainer. Um, I had an assignment for a, a telecom company in uh, Muscat, which is uh, in Oman, in the Gulf, and that's how it started. Um, from there, I just got more assignments, and um, I've been independent for ten years, and that also explains why I have so many different experiences uh, throughout my independent uh, career. So, um, yeah, basically, that's, that's the way I did it. Um, and together with my husband, I did some research in the Middle East as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I studied, I studied Arabic language and culture. 
So that's, that's how, it, uh, how I got this first assignment as well. That was my ticket <laughs> to wow. end up there. Yes. That um, is amazing. I mean, for you to have such, at, an, at a young age, this curiosity for people and for language as well, and for that to start a career um, that, would, uh, that would tie into agility um, is, yeah. is quite an experience. Can yeah. you tell me how that, how that um, ended up bridging from, you know, from language and from culture to agile? Yeah, well, it's mainly the training. So I've, been, I've, been, um, I've always had clients within HR. So, um, and from training, first of all, in telecom uh, industry, but then many other industries, and in the end also um, getting in touch with software teams, I got to know Agile through um, cross-functional teams and, and seeing how Scrum works uh, in action, and how great it could be, and uh, what kind of amazing products they create. So this is how I got in touch with them. So being a trainer of software, because this is, of course, all over the place, these, these teams don't always want to train their product. They just love building it. Um, so that's where I stepped into the, to the cycle, the software development cycle. Um, and I just, I was all struck by, by what Agile is and can do, what it can be for people and how, they, how it creates a great working environment um, and, and a good culture for people to work in. So uh, from there, I was just, you know, taken by everything. Um, I started off, of course, I guess, as many agilists start off uh, taking a Scrum Master certificate. And from there, I was just uh, building on that, but always within the HR atmosphere, uh, always um, mostly intrigued by the people aspect of it. Yeah. So the HR is your red thread throughout it all. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. 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 I. I am intrigued within your, um, in your bio, you make the statement that you get energy from anyone showing progress and, and growth, but not in a biggering sort of way. And I, I was, uh, that word was interesting. I think it's maybe something you've coined or you found somewhere. No, you, you found it. I wish. I've never heard it. So I'm curious, oh. you know, in my mind, when I read it, I thought, okay, you know, let me, let me tell you what went through my mind when I read it. I thought, you know, um, big, agile transformation companies coming in and, you know, we're going to make a change and, you know, they all come in and it's just like this overwhelming group of people, you know, powering in to do a transformation. That's what yeah. came in my mind when I read that versus um, small steps, um, you know, a team at a time, Am I am I hearing that correctly or no? Yes, no. You are giving the right interpretation. Um, this is an example of what I don't like. So the biggering aspect of this being a uh, rolling over people and cultures that exist already, and just top down uh, trying to uh, set up agile transformation like that is definitely not the way I would uh, tackle it. Um, well. It's, it's actually, if you Google biggering, <laughs> you end up with the Lorax. I don't know if you know the Lorax. Um, oh, I do. Yes. <laughs> so there's this, um, this quote from the Lorax. It says, it's figuring on biggering. And um, 
he wants to turn truffle trees into sneaks for everyone. Everyone will need them. So it's actually the opposite of that that I'm interested in. So listening to the customer and trying to go step by step, building on what is already there and trying to get a new uh, way of thinking step by step is, is much more uh, the way that I would approach things. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, you know, it's interesting. I love Dr. Seuss, so it's uh, funny that I didn't make the connection, but I actually like that I didn't. I like that that word invoked something, you know, my mind to think of something on my own, right? I made my own connection with it, and I, I like that it also would fine. the also reader, fine. right? We want the reader to be provoked to, to, you know, find something new when they hear that, and that's what it did for me when they read that. Um, in your in your chapter, optimize for the whole. You know, you use this this beautiful metaphor that you were weaving throughout. Um, you know, you began with a forest, and immediately, you know, you did such a, a great job um, as an author. I I could imagine from the very beginning that I was in this forest. I it was almost visceral for me. I was sitting in this forest and I was, you know, imagining every little part of it. Um, uh, and I, I mean, really, truly, it was um, very beautiful. And as you weave this, this throughout the, the chapter, you know, you move it from, you know, every organism in the forest and it's a ability to adapt and heal depending on what happens you know I'm imagining what happens when there's a forest fire which you know here in my area of the United States we have a lot of forest fires you know California Utah you know it happens a lot um, and then you weave that through what happens in our bodies when we get sick you know which you know, what, what happens when our bodies come to fight something that's happening versus when we take medication to maybe mask what's happening. And then, you know, what happens when um, there's something that happens in teams? And, and I even thought about that, um, you know, on the family level too, this need for balance, this need to adapt when, when things, when there's strife. And, um, you know, when that happened, I, I thought about how uh, I related to how I think inherently everything is agile um, in our world. And that this concept, um, I think it may be new to some people. And I, I loved how you made that um, relatable. And I wondered, because you used this forest analogy, where that where that comes from, you know, where you reach for that. Yeah. Well, as I entered companies, both as an independent and now also um, on payroll uh, as a consultant, um, I indeed um, felt more and more that, that we are somehow a little bit astray from a natural way. Um, people stepping in, in, in uh, companies have a very broad look and think, oh, everything's possible. But then very soon they get into a very um, more limited structure, which is, of course, a structure that exists within the company. And people um, are like chameleons. They, they, they absorb everything. Um, but they also lose uh, often their uh, ability to think outside that box. Um, so, so this natural way of being, this natural way of thinking, we have it in our 
daily life. Um, but as soon as we enter company walls, we tend to forget or to lose that uh, ability. And um, just this makes me think of how can we bring back this natural way? How can we um, introduce what we are so used to in our daily lives much more in the working environment again? Um, yes, and, and every time I, I walk through a forest, uh, I'm just taken by by how great it is and how, what a what a balance it, it creates for me as well, the human as, as a part of, of, of the entire, uh, of the whole. Um, so that's also why I was so triggered by um, the chapter, the title of the chapter, because I chose it because of that, uh, because of the systemic uh, aspect of it. Um, and, and talking of balance, I, I think everything is always striving for a balance not um, bringing it back to a balance from before, but looking for a new balance. Um, because of course, in our lives, just like in a forest, uh, things happen uh, haphazardly. You don't know when it's coming, but it's there. And then you have to look together for a new balance. And I think that's a very good uh, metaphor that we should also um, use within organizational context, especially when we're in agile transformations and, and uh, new ideas can pop up and there's this space for seeing new opportunities and how we tackle them, how we bring it to the new balance as an organization. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what uh, triggers me in choosing this topic. Yeah, it, it was beautiful. I, I hope that others feel the way I did when I think that they will when they read it. It was truly, <laughs> truly inspiring. In reading, in reading through um, your experiences that you, you know, wove through in the chapter, you know, you spoke of working with the nonprofit organization um, and the struggle to keep um, the horizontal structure. Um, uh, it, I believe it was the company that that uh, dealt with um, uh, the food industry. And um, I wondered, you know, they had, uh, they were in a merger, they had uh, in the merger, there were layers in the, in the parent company that was, you know, bringing them on. And there was that struggle, you know, the struggle that we always hear of, you know, the cultural struggle of, you know, you had a flatter organization that is now dealing with an organization that has top down layers. And, you know, I, I wonder, you know, first of all, um, were you there during that portion? You had done a lot of coaching with the company beforehand when they were more of a flatarchy um, and did a lot of work with them um, to help them during that time. And then when they came together, were you still a consultant during that time or were? Moment, I'm only an advisor, so I'm a bit at the sideline, but I'm still in touch. So You're I'm still in touch. Follow. Yes, of course, and I try to follow up what they're doing. They still need me, um, and they might, um, but I also like the, the fact that they are trying on their own. So it's, uh, it's great to see um, how they are uh, self-sufficient. And yeah, That's um, wonderful. There's a capability within their company now, so they're, they're trying to, to make use of that. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. I'm, I'm curious, um, because you spoke about, you know, them, the, the parent company dealing with this radical idea, you know, of, of more of a flat, of more of a flat and, and um, that, you know, they were, you know, they were actually open to that. And, and that's more unheard of, right? It's usually, you know, we're, 
we're absorbing you and you will now think like we do instead of the other way around. And I'm wondering, you know, how, how do you think that, you know, companies can be more in favor? How do we foster that companies being more in favor of losing that? Um, what I almost, um, you know, we want that organic approach and the other almost feels, you know, I hate to use the word egotistical, but it, it feels that way because it's just traditional, you know, it's like we've, um, we've earned this, we need, we keep it this way because we've earned it. Um, how, how do you feel that we can help people be more open to that approach? Yeah. Um, it's not easy. Traditional structures are very strong. Um, people feel they know how it works, uh, the pros and cons, uh, been there, done that. So it's, it's, it's not an easy, uh, Thing to change. Um, so there's often a lot of resistance. Um, but I think, well, um, a way to tackle that, I think, or the only way to tackle that is, is creating awareness, um, looking for the urgency, because of course without an urgency people don't really feel necessity uh, to change. It's always easier the way we know that it was or the way, the way it was before. Um, and yeah, you have to do it in a way that people don't um, immediately go into resistance. So I think taking smaller steps, as I mentioned before, is always the wiser thing to do, because then you can really grow organically together um, instead of doing something top down. And of course, a very important aspect is as well is leadership. I think if you have a strong story and your leadership can bring this story in a, in a compelling way, um, taking people on a journey um, that there is possibility that you grow together towards that more organic uh, way of uh, working together. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not an easy task to do. No, no. And it, as you said, it always boils down to the leadership, doesn't it? It's is whether or not the leadership is willing to take the journey with you. Um, and he, I'm not, I don't mean leadership as the management or the executives. Of course, often they are, but it can also be this... Um, informal leadership. There's a lot of yeah. people inside companies who have an amazing um, power of story. And I think if you, you can really take these people along uh, in the story of Agile, um, you can really do wonders for your company. Well, we, we often say in our Agile people training, it's not the leader, it's the first follower right? <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is the brave follower and the followers yes, after indeed. that, right? <laughs> that, that makes a bigger difference. Um, you know, tying into that, you know, later on you speak about, um, you know, titles and roles, you know, the traditional titles and roles, which, you know, go, go into what we were just speaking about where um, in top-down management and in um, these ideas of our traditional roles, you know, we so much put people in, in, you know, boxes or in, you know, this is where you fit. And in this, you know, optimizing for the whole, you know, we um, imagine I'm reading through your chapter and I'm reminded of how it is so um, often that we 
we look at a person in this role and don't give opportunities for them to uh, expand into something more. And um, in a learning organization, um, how would you say that we help employees as well as managers see beyond these titles? Um, how, how do we help them learn and grow so that that actually helps the effort, it lends towards the effort that we were just speaking of um, yeah. in your experience? Mm-hmm. Well, I think first of all, um, people really um, deserve, they need to get a clear idea of what the company stands for. Um, because that's, that's really um, what connects people to the company, and why they work for a company. And I think only then they can really internalize um, that idea and link it to their own intrinsic values and drivers. Now, that might sound very fluffy, um, but I really think it's a necessity if you want to um, establish um, as a company a learning culture uh, and become a learning organization. It's, it's, uh, it's an organization that can evolve and grow as a whole um, with people being interrelated and interdependent, uh, working together, and always keeping that connection with the whole. So I think that's, that could be a definition for a learning organization. But for that, it really needs to be clear what they connect to and why they have to connect to each other. So I think as long as you have that and you have this really strong um, message on, about your company and, and why you do what you do uh, and about your product, I think people will um, organically, again, um, want to stay because this is why they choose to work for your company and they will stay in sync and understand that their titles and job descriptions are there not to limit them, but not to restrict them, but more like an indicative thing or a suggestion, what could be helpful. But it doesn't mean that it has to limit your abilities or your possibilities. Um, so I think it's really important to give people that bigger picture, that line of sight, um, for them to connect to and yeah, link their work uh, on that. I think that's uh, it's important what you just said because right now I think there's so many people that are moving from job to job to job you know and it's there are many reasons right it can be team it can be manager and I think sometimes it's trying to find their identity you know what is it that I do what is it that I connect with I've seen this in my career um, I've seen this with my own uh, family members, you know, I'm, well, I'm moving over to this company because it's a better opportunity and the opportunity may be connected to money that happens sometimes, but other times it's, you know, a job role, a job title. And you often wonder, did they just leave an amazing company um, where that could have been afforded to them there? And, you know, based on, what you just said based on what is you know laid out in in your wonderful chapter uh, if if companies are thinking in that way they would retain so so many more of their wonderful people to yeah to think in that way so i i hope that that is a, a wonderful insight that people take from it that you know we we can keep our people and we can show them that they're valued and that um, they 
they contribute to the whole organization and can grow here. Um, they're not just fitting in this one, one place. I have this uh, quote that you um, placed it, you know, in, in there that is, we want to create a rainforest, not just a walled garden. Um, and uh, I would love to uh, have you expand on that. I, I, it speaks to nurturing the environment. Um, tell me about that. Well, since I'm connected to forests and I use the metaphor, um, this was the perfect quote. Um, it's from Zhang Ruimin. He's the CEO of a higher group. Um, and I think it's, it's spot on. Um, we want to create a rainforest. So it's, it's an ecosystem. He is um, a front runner in that. He, he has a group of, of, of um, companies um, and they form what he calls a business ecosystem. Um, and he sees it that a business ecosystem should have like two defined aspects to it. Um, one is that as companies together in a group, you should focus on co-creation of value uh, rather than compete each other. So it's more of um, playing an infinite kind of game rather than uh, trying to outplay uh, everyone in your field uh, in a biggering sort of way. So that's not what he wants. Um, and the second aspect is that the value that you create in this ecosystem um, should be shared by everyone uh, within that system. Um, so everybody should be beneficial, should be beneficiary of this value. Um, so that's what he means with this ecosystem. And it really spoke to me. Um, I think we can even go beyond our organizational walls um, and create value for society. I think, um, I think that's really what we should be heading for um, with organizations, not just trying to compete uh, whoever is in our way, but um, yeah, make more ecosystems and try to create value together and make sure that we do this for a customer that we envision together, uh, that is there with needs that we answer to. So um, yeah, I would even try to even go further, try to do something for society uh, tune into that as company. I, yeah. uh, again, I love it. I, I connect so much to what you have written. Mm -hmm. I think that it had, uh, I think you could write a whole book on it. Honestly, it, uh -huh. <laughs> it is, it is truly, um, something that is not only do you give us a lot to think about, um, but the imagery is something that um, connects deeply and gives us a lot to uh, connect to and hopefully we will continue to be inspired to do more uh, personally as leaders and managers and yes. in HR. So I want to thank you for taking the time to sit with me and uh, talk about this beautiful chapter, Optimize for the Whole. Thank I appreciate you so much, your time, Michaela. Thank you.